How's everybody doing today? So good to see everyone here. God is so good to you. God is so good to us. Next week, we're starting a new series about parables. We're gonna be looking at some of the teachings of Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus was the best teacher. I love how he taught with stories and the different things. So we're gonna be talking about those things and how it can apply to our lives today. But today we have a very special guest, Pastor Ken Clater. He's from a live church out of Gainesville in Orlando. Many people have accused me that the only reason I brought him in is because he's a Gator fan. <laughs> Come on. There's some of y'all, I know, you know what I believe. I believe it. But we're so blessed to have him. He is, is really being raised up by God in this moment right now. It's an Esther moment where God's raising him up as an influencer in a world of crazy, gone wild influencers. God's raising him up as a godly influence in today's culture for such a time as this. So we're blessed to have Pastor Ken with us today. Countryside, let's give Pastor Ken Clater a Countryside Christian Church welcome as he comes. All right. Okay, y'all. What time is it? It's the 11.30 service. Y'all slept in. Come on, let's give him praise. Let's give him 30 seconds more praise because y'all should be rested. Y'all should be feeling good. Come on, I don't hear it. Has God been good to anybody today? Come on, let's praise Jesus for what he's done. Let's praise him for what he's doing. Let's praise him for what he's going to do on tomorrow. Amen. Man, it's good to be with you guys today. Do you know that you have an incredible church? Can I just say that right from the beginning? Because sometimes you're a part of something that is amazing, but you can take it for granted and you don't even know it. So God has given me a great privilege over the last 20 years of ministry to be able to travel to churches around the world. And I know a good church when I'm in one. The love of God that's here, the powerful worship that you have, the diversity that is there, the missions, the outreach that you do. And so I just want you to know that you have a great church and it's filled with a bunch of great people. But what I've also learned over 20 years of ministry, and I know y'all like 20 years of ministry. Yeah, I, I know I look young, but this is actually just for men. That's what it is. That's the product of choice is <laughs> just for men. Um, but what I've learned is that great churches don't happen by accident. Great churches are led by great leaders. And so could we just take a moment and thank God for Pastor Glenn and Elaine and their sacrifice, their obedience. <laughs> you know, me and Pastor Glenn, we met at a pastor's conference a little while back, and I just, um, we have similar spirits. And uh, he loves the church, he loves Jesus, and he also loves diversity. I'm like, this is my kind of guy. Plus, he looks like he should have played basketball somewhere back in the day. Did you play basketball anywhere? He's like six foot eight or whatever. Like, if I had his, if I had his height, I wouldn't be here. I would actually be in the NBA playoffs tonight playing <laughs> in game number three for the Miami Heat or whatever. But um, uh, I'm only five foot nine, so here I am preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. But anyway, um, I just love your, your spirit. I love your faithfulness. I love who you are. I love what God is doing here. My friend Larry's here with me as well today. Um, thank you so much for your service. Get up for my friend Larry, who's just hanging out with me today. Okay. Um, at the second service, I typically go long, and um, so if you can put three hours on the clock, I would appreciate it. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just playing. I've been married to a beautiful woman for 23 years. 23 years married. Her name is Tabitha. Come on, somebody. It has been the best 21 years of my life. That's right, you do the math. The first two years was absolutely horrible. We had a plan, I had a plan to divorce her. Um, but now she got herself together and things are a whole lot better, praise God. It's, 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 <laughs> she's not here so I can say whatever I wanna say, but now we're best friends. We actually have a podcast on marriage that we do together. Out of our union comes these beautiful kids. My youngest, his name is Kenny, he's 12 years old. They say he looks like me, not right in this picture, cause you know 12 year olds, they don't know how to smile. So he like, we say a smile, he like, I'm like, come on bro, you know how to smile. My middle child, her name is Charity. She knows how to smile a little bit better here on the left, and she is about to be 14 in July. And then my oldest, her name is Hannah, and she actually turns 18 on Tuesday. So y'all pray for me. I got an adult, I can't believe it. I got an adult kid, all right? And she graduates high school on Friday. So this is an emotional week for us. 
And that's why I'm glad that I'm here with you guys so you can pray for me that I don't cry through the whole message today. It's going to be okay, all right? And so anyway, I pastor a great church called Alive Church um, in Gainesville. Go Gators. Whatever. And also in Orlando, go Mickey Mouse. I'm sure that makes some of y'all more excited than the Gators, all right? And I'm just happy to be with you. I also wrote a book here. And um, how many of y'all got the book, Go? Nobody? Okay, so let me explain it to you. Um, this book is called As It Is in Heaven, How a Church That Resembles Heaven Can Help Heal Our Racial Divide. Quick survey. How many of you all have been a little discouraged and also turned off by the racial divide in our land? Okay. How many of you all at some point has asked God, God, what can I do about this? What are we going to do about this? Anybody here ever said, God, I want to be a part of the answer, not the part of the problem? I believe inside of this book is going to be an answer to some of your prayers. This book is not written from a left or a right perspective, but an upward perspective. It's not written from a Democratic or a Republican perspective, but a kingdom perspective, and we need a kingdom perspective. <laughs> you can't turn on Fox to CNN to get a kingdom perspective. That's why you need to get the book. And I'll give you a little hint. In the eyes of God, there's not multiple races. There's one race, the human race. And inside of the human race, thank God that we have different ethnos, different ethnicities, cultures, and colors. Thank God we all don't look the same. There's a lot of flavors in this Baskin Robbins. I see some of y'all vanilla out there. I see a little strawberry, too. I'm like a chocolate mocha. Kind of, you know what I mean? Thank God that we all don't look the same. But here's the truth, is that we are a lot more alike than we are different. And it's the devil who loves to divide us over a dumb thing called melanin. But I'm more than my melanin, and if you like what I'm saying, you want to get hold of this book. And I want to give it out to some excited people. Do I have any, do anybody like to read nowadays? You know, if you are excited about a good book, I should have named this book How to Election Proof Your Church. Because on next year, you're going to be begging for this book. I know it don't mean much to you right now, but praise God, coming next year, you're going to be like, where can I get that book? So I want to give you the answer in advance, but I want to give it to some excited people today. Do I got anybody that's excited to read? It's because you're sitting so close, I can hear you the most. So give it up for her. This is for you. No, it's okay. Come get the book, girl. Come get the book. God bless you. You going to read it? If it's good, you got to write a good review. If it ain't a good, don't write a review at all. We don't. It's okay. One more. I got one more. Anybody excited? I'm trying to go deeper. I'm trying to go deeper. Ah, I see the guy with the black on right here. You, sir. Come on down. The price is right. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for him. We have a brand new car. No, we don't. We got a book for you. <laughs> you going to read it? Yeah. Okay. If you read it and you like it, write a good review. If you don't, don't do it. <laughs> now, all, all you other people that was excited about the book, we have them for sale as long as supplies last right in the lobby after service today. Uh, make an investment. Buy one for somebody else. We don't have a lot left. Um, I personally haven't made any money from the book. It's just the message that we're sowing into the kingdom of God. And so God bless you guys. Y'all ready for the word of God today? <clears throat> if you're ready, would you shout, I'm ready? ready. Come on, let's pray and we're going to dive into the word together. Father, we thank you so much for the power of your presence that's in this place. You have saved the best for last. We are not in this service by accident or just to go through the motions of Christianity to check off the box to say that we've done something good. We want a word from you. We want an encounter with you. So Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come. And whenever you step in, sickness, we command you to go. Depression, we command you to go. Addictions, be broken today. We will not leave this place. We prophesy, we will not leave this place the same way that we've came. And we'll give you all the glory, honor, and praise. If you agree with that, would you just shout amen? amen. Oh, y'all sound good at the 11 o'clock service. Today's message is entitled, Honor, the Currency of the Miraculous. And if you are a note taker, please write that title down. Honor, the Currency of the Miraculous. Now here's the deal, people. We live in a society that's becoming more and more anti-Christ. That means that you and I have to become more and more just like Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. We're living in a world that's becoming more and more secular. That means that you and I have to become more and more sanctified. Somebody say amen. We live in a world that is becoming more and more prideful, more and more rebellious. Actually, the, spin of, um, the, the spirit of rebellion is on the rise, and the Bible calls rebellion as the sin of witchcraft. And there are certain things that we're going to have to renounce, and there are other things that we're going to have to commit to. We're going to have to renounce pride, 
and rebellion and dishonor and commit to being people of honor that help build a culture of honor. Because honor is the currency of the miraculous. How many of you all want to see more miracles in your life? Let me see by a show of hands. How many of you all want to see more miracles in the house of God? Let me see by a show of hands. There are some who believe that miracles kind of ceased at some place. They kind of ceased, you know, after the death of the last apostles. There are some people that believe that it happened back in the Bible days, but after the canonization of Scripture, well, then miracles don't happen that way any longer. And to all of that, I say, bah humbug. Many times when we don't see God doing something that we expect for him to do, instead of saying, you know what, I don't get it, why he's not moving that way like he used to do, what we do is we go and make up a doctrine. It's actually in the humanity of human beings to make up an excuse instead of just saying, God, I don't understand it, I don't get it, why didn't this happen? What we'll do is say, well, God obviously doesn't do that any longer. You know, I was believing for a healing, but I didn't get healed. I guess God is not a healer any longer. But the last time I read my Bible, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and I don't know if you're here with me. So the same God that raised the dead in the Bible is the same God that wants to raise the dead today. The same God that opened the blinded eyes in the Bible is the same God that wants to open blinded eyes today. The same God when Elijah prayed and fire fell from heaven is the same God that wants fire to fall again on today. Our God does not change. He's the same yesterday. Come on, church. Today and forevermore. At the end of 2020, my wife and I went through the biggest battle that we've ever faced. She was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And after six months of chemotherapy, 30 rounds of radiation and a double mastectomy, I am happy to say that she's 23 months cancer free today. Come on somebody. And sometimes in your darkest moments, the temptation of the enemy is for you to question God. And say, God, if you're a healer, why didn't you heal my wife? I've seen you heal people through my hands. I've seen you do all kinds of things. And if you're good, why are such bad things happening? And I've learned the greatest principle in my darkest moment. And my psychologist gave me this, and I paid him $5,000. I'm going to give it to you for free today. <laughs> it's called the Palms at Principle. Whenever you don't understand why something's happening in your life, instead of getting upset with God, put your palms up like this and say, nevertheless, I trust you. See, the highest form of faith ain't you declaring and decreeing and prophesying over things. It's saying, God, no matter what comes and what goes, come on, everybody, put your hands like this and say, nevertheless, Lord, I still trust you. And instead of getting mad at, the de uh, at God, why don't you get mad at the devil? And so through our cancer battle, God gave me a vision to help lead 2 million people to Jesus over the next 20 years. I said, instead of getting mad at God, I'm going to get mad at the devil and I'm going to hurt him for the rest of my life. And some of y'all done been through hell and back and you got to start hurting the devil for the rest of your life. Am I preaching okay? Because we about to go there today. Are y'all okay? Are y'all ready for this? So I don't know about you. God never changes. The, the scripture says that he's immutable. That means that he changes not. So what I've learned in ministry is that God does not change, but many times we do. When we don't have the deliverance, the breakthrough that we want, it doesn't happen when we want it. Sometimes we change. And I've learned that when we don't see the miracle working power of God, the outpour of the Holy Spirit or revival, many times it's not on God's side of the equation. Many times it's on ours. And we can be humble enough to say, maybe we don't believe like we should. Maybe there are chambers and areas of my heart that's filled with pride or I don't have a kingdom perspective because I understand that God is good. I understand that he's just and I understand that he's holy and the problem is probably not with him. Maybe it could be me. And so the message today is a message about honor because we understand that honor is the currency of the miraculous, but our culture today and many of us come out of that fallen, broken culture. We come out thinking that rebellion is the norm. We come out of a council culture, culture, and I think we need to counsel the carnality. We actually believe that we should rise up against authority instead of submitting to authority as unto the Lord. That is the culture that is in our day, and when you come into the house of God, it's very important that we put down the culture of the world to pick up the culture of the kingdom so we can get kingdom results. I'm preaching better than you saying amen, but we're going to go there. And I believe God is asking us today to become people of honor who help establish a culture of honor. And so here's the line that I want you to adopt if you're ready. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. 
as far as us at Countryside Christian Church in Clearwater, Florida. We honor up, we honor down, and we honor all around. Say it with me. We honor up, we honor, and we, how many of y'all can embrace that? How many of y'all can help us establish that? You know what I mean? Because we're not just going to honor the presidents and the, and the pastors and the CEOs and the people that can get us to where we want to go. We're going to honor the broken and the widow and the addicted and the afflicted and the imprisoned as well. We're not just going to honor up. We're going to honor up, come on church, honor down, come on church, and honor all around. And what happens when the homeless and the broken come in here, but they're treated with such care? The culture of honor gives birth to the culture of the miraculous. Y'all just stay with me. And so let's define what honor is. Note takers, are you ready? Say, I'm ready. What is honor? It means to esteem, to value, and to give respect to. To honor someone, write this down, means to value them highly or to bestow value upon them. The reason that people throw away their marriages nowadays is because they just stop valuing the covenant of marriage. I don't know if we really need to get married. <laughs> How'd a person post that on my social media like that? That's a governmental system that's made by man. No, you're just dishonorable to the covenant that God made when he brought Eve to Adam. You don't even understand anything. Shut up. That's what I want to say, but I just say it internally because <laughs> I don't want to start a social media fight. <laughs> and what happens is sometimes you get married and it's the law of diminishing returns and you were so excited to say, I do. You believed for that person for so many years, but over 5, 10, 15 years, that value begins to leak. And now you're thinking to yourself, well, I made a mistake. I got married too young. I shouldn't have married you. I should have married your brother. And um, <laughs> value begins to go away. And whenever you devalue what God values, he can't bring certain things into your life. The reason that people begin to devalue their church or throw away their churches, they begin to lose value of the covenant connection because you didn't choose this church. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit led you here. The Bible says that he places the members in the body as it pleases him. And when you come to a good church like this one, you love it at first. You're like, oh my God, the pastor is cool. I can understand the words coming out of his mouth. The worship was amazing. We got a girl drummer, she like Sheila E up there. It's crazy, man. Y'all know who Sheila E is. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm like, yo, we need a girl drummer at my church, right? You're like, man, it's so great. We're doing helping hands. We're in the community. We do missions trips. Man, this church is great until you run into somebody who offends you. There's a decision that's made to start a campus that you don't agree with, to change your service times. They let somebody sit in a seat that you've always been sitting in for the last five years. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you start valuing this connection. And you used to sit in the front row, but now you're in the middle. And then you go to the back, and then you at home. And we say, hey, where are you? Well, I'm watching online. And then you stop watching online because you're down somewhere else at another church because you don't know if you're growing here any longer. And it ain't that the ability to grow has left the building because we're still growing. It's that your heart is now filled with a lack of value. And whenever you don't value what God values, abuse is in in inevitable. The reason that people throw away their Bibles is they stop valuing it. They stop valuing the blood, the cross and Calvary, the power that is in the name. You know, we live in a generation now that people get so smart they get dumb. And they start to say, well, I don't know about the Bible. I don't know the Bible. I heard it was changed. I heard it was written by King Tut. I don't care what it, listen, the Bible is God breathed and God inspired. I believe it from Genesis to Revelation. It is the word of God. Jesus was the word made flesh. You only know Jesus as much as you know his word. And they begin to throw away their entire faith because they stop valuing what God values. And whenever you do that, abuse is inevitable. And so what does the Bible say about honor? If you're ready, shout, I'm ready. ready. Romans chapter 12, let's go to the Bible. Anybody bring a Bible with them? I feel like we need to bring old school paper Bibles. If you got a paper Bible, can you wave it in the air and wave it like you really do care? <laughs> now most of y'all just got your phones, it's okay, so we're gonna turn to the board. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil. Hope fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. But then I love this part here and underline this in your Bible. It says, outdo one another in showing what? Honor. It says, outdo one another in showing what? Honor. In showing honor. And I've learned that nowadays we like to outdo each other in all of the wrong things. 
We like to outdo each other in how big our houses is when I got more square feet than you do. We like to outdo each other in how nice our cars are. I got a Tesla, but you still driving an Escort or something. I don't know. We like to outdo each other in how many people like our comment on social media. And I got more following than you got. Or the single people, I got married before you did. And we like to just outdo each other. But the Bible never tells us to outdo each other in any of those things. There is one area that God says, I want you to try to outdo each other. And he says it's in showing honor. What would happen in your home if you just went home and says, I'm going to be a person of honor that outdoes everybody I live with in showing honor? What would happen in your marriage if you're married? If you were a wife and you went home and you said, I'm going to outdo my husband in showing honor. I'm talking about you went home, turned on the game for him tonight. <laughs> made him his favorite food with dessert. Praise God. And as he's watching the game, you give him a shoulder massage. Woo! Then you gave him a, a foot massage and a pedicure because you know his feet crusty and you need to help him. And, you, and, you, and somebody's like, well, I ain't touching his feet. That's why you don't have a great marriage. You have to sow there before you go there. See, many people, they want to harvest, but they won't sow a seed. You say, well, pastor, he don't do that for me. That ain't the way that it works. You do that for him, and then you get to harvest later on, baby girl. But, don't. but anyway, what I'm saying, what would happen? If, man of God, you went home and you tried to outdo your wife in showing honor, and you just went home and you turned off the game so you could listen to the words coming out of her mouth, and you looked at her and gave her the attention that she is due, and then you said, baby, what do you want me to make you? And you went into the kitchen and you cooked her her favorite meal, and after she ate, you ran her a bubble bath, and then you gave her a massage. And you massage her beautiful tiny feet, praise God. I'm telling you that you could turn your marriage around in 30 days if you would just grab hold of the Word of God and quit fighting against each other and fight to outdo one another in showing honor. You would be amazed at what would happen if you would just... People are like, okay, I think I can clap for that. That's, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a pretty good point. <laughs> And so who should we honor? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible God, the only God, be honor and glory forever. So who should we honor, class? God. And all honor starts from the foundation that you've made a decision that I'm going to honor God. How many of you all have made that decision? Anybody here has made a decision? Now, if you have not made that decision yet, I want to ask you to prayerfully consider today that you recommit yourself that I'm going to honor God. Because all other honor, when it comes to honoring other people, is, a, is the product or the unfolding from a choice to honor God, okay? And so we don't honor God just in lip service, y'all. You know, I know in the Christian world, we love to sing songs about honor. How, Lord, I honor you. Oh, I honor you, Lord. But it's not just a singing about honor. It's about us Showing God honor, specifically in the three T's, honoring God with our time, our talent, but also in our treasure. And I would like to add, like I always talk about the three T's, but I want to add an S as well, honoring God in your sexuality. Because when you give your heart to Jesus, it's not just saying, well, I'm going to take what I want to do and then add my opinion. No, I'm giving you all of me. And so when you get born again, there needs to be a funeral and a birthing all at the same time. You have to die to yourself so that the greater one can live on the inside of you. And I wish that we would tell people the truth, that if you really want to live this full Zoe life in Christ Jesus, there needs to be a funeral and a birthing all at the same time. And so what it's saying is, God, I honor you with my time, my money, my anointing, my purpose, my sexuality, my sex drive, my body, what I watch at 2 a.m. on my phone when ain't nobody around, I want it to be honorable for you, and if it is not honorable to you, take it far away from me. Somebody shout out honor God. Who else does the Bible tell us to honor? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. All the parents said, <laughs> Because this is right. And all the parents said, amen. <laughs> Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. And so here the Bible tells us to honor our parents. And it is a command with a promise. And we are to honor parents even if they wasn't very good parents. 
even if they wasn't really around for us like they should have been around for us, the Bible don't say honor them if they've been good parents. The Bible says honor them because they are in the office of a parent. I'm not talking about you allow a parent to manipulate you and move you to do ungodly things. That's where we draw the line. I'm always going to go with God over human beings 10 times out of 10. But if it's in my power, I'm going to honor you as unto the Lord because you are in the office of my parent. I came out of your loins. And the Bible says that when you do that, it's going to go well with you and you're going to live a long life. It's a word for all y'all teenagers up there. I see you. You say, I see you. I see you. You say, Pastor Ken, how do we honor our parents? Obedience in the unsupervised arenas. When you're at school and there's no authority around, you still do what's right because it's right. Because you have your own conviction and relationship with God. God has given you a spirit of discernment. And you know when your ratchet friends are acting crazy and you got to have a boldness to be like, nah, that ain't me. That's not who I am. I am a child of God, an heir of Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. I'm going to quit preaching at y'all because I love you up there. I see you. Leviticus 19.32, who does it tell us to honor? It says this, watch. It says, you shall rise before the gray-headed, and you shall honor the aged, and you shall fear your God with profound reverence. And all the old people said, amen. How many of y'all know we need to honor older people? You know? I think when per people have gray hair, you should look at them and like, you made it, my God, how'd you do it? <laughs> we should just, you know, COVID was an attack on our older community first. And I feel like after we come out of that season post-COVID, we now need another season where we really lift up the arms of older people. And many older people were in nursing homes and they felt abandoned and they felt lonely and they felt, and I want our, church, our churches to have a season where older people feel needed and appreciated and heard and seen. And so, I don't know, a lot of younger people, they just feel like, well, my grandmama, she don't know how to get on TikTok. <laughs> no, she ain't even got a phone and her phone don't do this, she don't know, but like, she know how to cook. And you don't know how to cook. She know how to get in the closet and take nothing and make something. You don't know, you know, there's a lot of single people, ladies, believing for their Boaz. I just believe this is my year breakthrough. I'm single, but God gonna send me a Boaz, but you eat a Chick-fil-A for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know how to cook nothing. You know how to clean nothing. You don't know how to take care of a man if a man did show up. So I don't know if you're really gonna get that blessing and that breakthrough. I'm sorry to tell you on the stage today. And that's why younger people, they need older people. Because you younger people, you got innovation and you got creativity, but you don't have experience. Some of us older people, we got experience. Overcame a bad marriage, overcame $100,000 of debt. My wife overcame sexual abuse and verbal abuse. My wife overcame cancer. We need to sit down with you and tell you what life is really about. We got older people here that have your answers. You ain't got to go out and waste 20 years like we did. You just need to learn to ask the right people the right questions. <laughs> and I got news for younger people. Um, uh, you older people, I got news for you. You need younger people so you don't get stale and stuck in your ways. You need energy. You need life. You need to bring some younger, you need to bring younger women. Come on, mamas. We need more spiritual moms. You need to bring some of these, they don't even know how to dress. They cleavage all over here. You need to help them. Be like, don't, 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 not. Come on, girl, what you doing? You're on TikTok showing your stuff. You ain't going to get no man that way. You're going to get a booty call, but I'm sorry I said that today. I'm sorry. It's, the wheels are falling off on this comedian bus. Um, I just feel like if you're older, we need to honor you. I feel like if you're over 70, you should get front row seating. You just sit up here. You probably can't see me very well, so you can sit like. Um, if you're over 80, you get to, you get like free donuts and stuff. And if you're over 90, you get to park in the front. We have special parking. Matter of fact, you can just pull your car into the lobby. It, <laughs> you can pull it into the lobby. We'll help you get out. It's gonna be okay. Cause we want you to know we need you here. Come on somebody. We need older people here. We wanna honor those who have been around for their experience. Uh, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I don't know, this joy hit me all of a sudden and it became so funny. But let's look at Romans chapter 13, verse one. It says this, let's get serious again. And some of y'all gonna like this one. Or a matter of fact, this is gonna scare you because it says, so we are to honor, first off, who? God, secondly, what? Parents, thirdly, what? Older people. But here it says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. This is where you wanna just run out of the church. For there is no authority except that which God has established. 
and the authorities that exist have been established by God. I got questions for God when I get to heaven. You telling me that Trump has been established by God? And you're telling me that Biden has also been established by God? The two people who was clapping, they stopped clapping. Did you notice that? <laughs> like, what happened? I got questions for Jesus. That makes absolutely no sense to me. But what the scripture is saying is that if a person gets into the office, God has allowed them to be in the office, and you honor them even though you didn't vote for them. You honor them because of the office sake. And the Bible says that when you pray for those who are in authority, it will be peaceable towards you. Because <laughs> verse 3 says, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So authorities are politicians, police officers, soldiers, etc. The Bible tells us that we are to give them honor for the office that they're in. And so very quickly, class, the Bible tells us to honor who? God. Everybody say God. Our parents. Everybody say our parents. The elderly. Everybody say the elderly and also those in authority. Everybody say those in authority. But then it gives us a bonus one. And here's where I want to spend some time. The Bible tells us to honor spiritual leaders. And this is the one that many people are messing up nowadays, and it's actually stopping the miracles from happening in their lives. I could make an argument, you know, that the most talked about category to honor would be parents. But the most impactful to the believer's life where the scripture talks about double honor would be towards spiritual leadership. First Timothy, pay attention, it says, 5 and 17, it says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of what? Everybody say double honor. Especially those who labor in teaching and in preaching. There is no other scripture that talks about double honor other than when it comes to how your response is towards God's ministry gifts and the spiritual leaders that you have in your life. So what I believe that God is asking us to do is to put a premium on this one. All the honor that you give to others, dip it in double and give it to the people that speak God's word into your life. The elder who rules well is not just counted worthy of honor, they are counted worthy of double honor. And this is huge for the church. Because as I look at the church at large right now, I see the spirit of the world creeping into the house of God. And people rebel against authority, they question authority, they gossip towards authority, and they tear down the very people that are giving them the word of God. And I believe that when we fully understand honor, we will become the Aaron and hers of our day. The Bible talks about how the whole nation of Israel won in battle because Aaron and her undergirded the arms of Moses. And as long as his hands was up, the nation won in battle. But when he got tired and his hands began to go down, everybody began to lose in battle. Your ability to undergird senior leadership and to say, I'm praying for you, I got your back, I'm going to be easy to lead is not just good for the pastors. It actually elevates the families that are connected. The whole nation is blessed when we understand, when we understand honor. Remember, the definition is this, to give esteem to, to give value to. Many people, they love Jesus, but they take their leadership for granted. Many people nowadays, they, they say, man, how much they honor Jesus, but they dishonor his representatives. And I believe that it is nullifying the miracle-working power of God from moving in the church like you and I want it to. I'm not talking about overinflated honor, where you bring the pastor in off the back and you're carrying him on your shoulders, wiping the sweat off. That ain't, that's weird. I ain't talking about that. But I'm talking about double honor, double value, double esteem, double reception, double appreciation, double your prayer life, double encouragement, double remembering their birthday and anniversary, double your refusal to take offense. Everybody shout double. Double honor gets double the miracles. Does anybody believe that today? Oh, I could go through so much. But for the sake of time, let's do this. In the spirit of honor, can we just honor some people who have given their life and their heart to help people grow in Jesus? Can we first off give it up for some of our, our I don't know what you call them, dream teamers, our ushers? Can you just give a round of applause to all of our production people? I was praying for you guys earlier. Our TV crew, we love you guys. Can you give it up for like a dope worship team 
and Sheila E. on the drums and the guitar people over here. Can we give it up for our parking lot team out there in the rain and, 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 and the sun? Can we give it up for our kids' church? Thank God we ain't got your kids running around here. They're tearing stuff up. Thank God for the kids. Can we thank God for our youth leaders that's going to take a week of their life and go to summer camp and come here to make sure our teenagers are going to new levels? Come on, so can we thank God for the tithers? If it wasn't for the tithers, we wouldn't have lights on. The microphone wouldn't be on. We wouldn't have the buses that we got. Thank God for the missionaries. They want to go out. Some go, some are sent, some are went. God bless you. We thank you for the missionary. Thank you for all the intercessors. Can we give honor to all the people that pray? Because if you don't pray, nothing happens. Heaven don't move if you don't pray. You got to humble yourself and seek my face and from wicked ways before he moved. Come on, can we now thank God for all of our staffers, those who could be working at Bank of America, but they're working in the house of God. They could be working at Merrill Lynch, but they're working in the house of God. Come on, somebody. And y'all need to give them all raises, praise God, because they need, well, that's too much for me to say, but what I'm saying is that you should want them to get raises. I'll be online and people say, well, do you think the pastor should make that much? Do you know how much more money I can make with my skill set out in the secular arena? I'm upset now. That's crazy. I want my spiritual leaders to have a great life because they're setting the pace. And as I follow them, as they follow Christ, what's on them is coming on me. I don't want to hold them back. I'm like, God bless them. God, I thank you. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. God, would you give my leader favor? Because I'm not too far, and I understand what's falling on them is about to fall on me. I don't know. I think we're working against So I just want to, come on, can we give honor to all the pastors? I don't know how y'all set up elders. All the deacons, I don't know, I don't know. And we would be remiss if we didn't give double honor to our lead pastors, come on. They've been serving for the last 13, 14 years in this role, come on somebody. Come on, every single Sunday standing, preaching the Word of God with character, come on, with integrity, with faithfulness, how they raise their kids in this house, come on. They're exemplifying their marriage before us. Come on, do you know how much warfare we go through to bring you the Word of God every single Sunday? This ain't a, this ain't a speech, this is a movement, praise God. Do y'all hear what I'm saying today? Because honor is the currency of the miraculous. I can preach in India, in Africa, and people are in America, they're always like, well, why do you see so many miracles? I've seen the blinded eye open. I've seen people throw wheelchairs around. I'm talking about, why do we see so many miracles over there? Because honor's high. And when honor goes up, miracles go up. And then you come to America, and sometimes people are like, well, I don't know if I want to come to church today unless I got a latte. And I don't know if I like how the pastor's dressing and his Spirit is distracting me, and I'm just not sure right now. I just need to pray about where I need to be. Don't expect a breakthrough. Don't expect the devil to get cast out. Don't expect the dead to be raised. Don't expect, because when honor goes up, miracles go up. But when honor goes down, now, you said that you want more revival. Do I got the right class still? You said that you want more, and people are like, I don't know if I want it no more. Yes, yes. You, let me remind you, you said that you want that, and if you want that, I need you to hear today that honor is the currency of the miraculous. Thank you. You say, Pastor, can you prove it? You know I can. Y'all ready for this? Mark chapter 6. Everybody go there. Nobody turned. It's okay. Mark chapter 6 on the board. Here it goes. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown among the church people that's been taking him for granted and the people that's had close proximity, sitting at his table, eating his food, I'm sorry, amongst his relatives in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Huh. It's one of the most interesting scriptures in the Bible, in my opinion. Mark 6 is filled with revelation because the expectation is that the healing that you're believing for is not even considered a mighty work. It is the normal activity of Jehovah Rapha. Healing is not a hard thing. Just position yourself to receive it. It's in his nature to heal. It's what he loves to do. But what also sticks out to me from Mark chapter 6 is that it says that he, who is Jesus, couldn't do many mighty works there. And it wasn't talking about his physical location of Capernaum. He couldn't do many mighty works there in the atmosphere of dishonor. All right, are you telling me that Emmanuel, God with us, 
the Christos, known as the Christ, the Messiah, that death couldn't hold him down. On the third day, he rose with all power in his hands and said, death, where is your sting? You're telling me the Christ couldn't do many mighty works, meaning that he wanted to do something, but he was hindered by an atmosphere. People in America are like, why don't we see revival? Why don't we see more miracles? Could it be that the atmosphere of dishonor is hindering what Christ wants to do? Jesus has always wanted to move by power, for he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But Jesus cannot do even what he wants to do if the temperature of your heart is to dishonor the representatives that he's placed in your life to move you into miracles. And hopefully that is a great revelation because when I got this revelation, I'm like, oh my God, I need a church filled with honor. And I need to raise up people who honor up and honor down and honor all around. And my hope for your church, because I didn't tell you this in the beginning, but years ago, the Lord called, he said, I've called you to carry revival. You say, Pastor Ken, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. But what I've learned is that God has given me an anointing to bring dead things to life again. Dead marriages get ready to be restored. Dead dreams and dead hopes get ready for resurrection power is in the house today. And as I was praying over your church, I heard the Lord say that he's ready to send revival to this place. And I say, God, give me a word for this house because I'm not here just to preach out of my natural wheelhouse. I need a thus saith the Lord. Anybody need a prophetic word from God? I need a right now. I need a Kairos moment. I need a right now word from God. He says there's revival winds that are blowing, but I need you to spark a revival and join in with what's happening right now. And I consider myself a revivalist, and that means different things to different people, but I've studied revivals over the years from Azusa Street and Toronto and Brownsville and what was happening in Asbury, and every revival has critics, but when you see the fruit of lives being changed, you know that it's a move of God, and what God did in Kentucky, I want you to know he wants to do in this room right now what God did in the upper room with 120 people. He wants to do it again, for he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's just looking for the atmosphere of faith and people that are hungry to say, God, I'll honor what you honor if you honor me. Do I got anybody that's in this place that's like that? This is what I know about revival, is that revival comes on the heels of repentance. Study revivals. You say, why is God moving in Asbury? Because them folk were on their knees crying out before Jesus like, God, I need you. And revival comes on the heels of repentance. Can I pray for you today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you can admit that you've ever sinned in your life, I want you to know that you deserve hell. But thank God for his goodness. He doesn't give you what you deserve. He gives you grace, which is favor that you cannot earn. The love of God gives you his grace. You don't have to earn a relationship with God. All you have to do is surrender to it. If you're here today and say, Pastor, you're talking to me, I've sinned. Here's the good news. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Thank God that we don't have to pay the price for our own sin. Jesus got on a cross and he paid it for, for us. And what he took, we don't have to take. And if you're here today, you don't have to be a perfect person to be saved. You just need to surrender. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're saying, you know what? I have sinned, but I want forgiveness. I want to be saved. I want to be at peace with God. I want to be right with God. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. On the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand so that I can know who I'm praying for. And I want you to be bold in this moment because it's going to be one of the best prayers you've ever prayed in your life. So all over this building and even online, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ken, pray with me. I want to be a surrendered vessel. I want to be a forgiven person. I want a relationship with Jesus. On the count of three, lift up your hand. One, two, three. Lift it up high and bold all over the building. Thank you. I see your hand and 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 your
And nobody prays this prayer alone. You can put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody say, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart today. Forgive me of my sins. On today, I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sins. I turn from my way to your way. My will to your will. From this day forward, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. You mind if you stand all over the building? Could you stand? Give me a little bit more light on me, if you don't mind. I feel like this is the most important part of the service because God's actually instructed me to give you all an opportunity to repent and to kind of get some things right with him. But remember, revival comes on the heels of repentance. There are many of you guys who want revival and you want to see more miracles and God wants to do it. But we got to get our hearts right. Repentance is I'm changing my mind, therefore changing my direction. If you're here today and you can be hot, honest, open and transparent enough to say, you know what? I've been a little bit rebellious. I've dishonored the police. I've dishonored the Democrats. I've dishonored them Republicans. I've dishonored white folks. I've dishonored black folks, Nigerians, Mexicans, whatever your thing is. I've dishonored spiritual leadership. I've dishonored my small group leaders. I've dishonored my spouse. I've dishonored my kids. And today, I want to get it right between me and God. If that's you, and that bears witness in your heart, I want you to come to the front so that I can pray for you. All over the building, come now. All over the building, let's pray. Because revival comes on the heels of repentance. And as you come today, and you get to the altar, I want you to put your hands like this and just talk to the Lord and just say, I'm sorry. I'm ready to get it right. in your presence. Come on, you all sing. I'm caught up. I'm caught up. I just want to sit here. Sit at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. today. Nothing else. Come on, y'all sing. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. 
I want you guys just to take just a moment and just talk to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here to help you open up your mouth and just say, I'm done with rebellion. I'm done with dishonoring you, God. I'm done with dishonoring you in my mind, in my body, in my finances, in my thought life. I'm done with dishonoring my wife. I'm done with dishonoring my husband. I'm done with dishonoring my leadership, my church, the body of Christ. Leaders that I've seen that's fallen into sin. I'm not going to be the one to put my mouth on them. I'm not going to touch God's anointed. I do believe Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And leaders are going to mess up and they should be removed, prosecuted if need be. But can they be restored? They're not the devil. They were anointed. They built great churches. We all love them. When will the church pray for them? When will the church restore them? Yes, it might take five years and ten years. But let's have a heart filled with grace. Okay. So let's shake it off. Okay. We're forgiven. It's good. No condemnation. No guilt. Come on, let the joy of the Lord come back in the building. Praise God. It's good. All right. I feel the healing wind of the Lord in this place. Mm. How many of you all have been dealing with depression? Let me see by a show of hands. You've been dealing with depression. None to be ashamed about. Lift up your hand. Lay hands on them. Put your hands on their back right now. Listen, my wife dealt with depression for 12 years. She's been healed for 20 years. The spirit of depression is not a hard spirit. I don't care if it's a chemical imbalance. I know a God that will heal you right now. So begin to prophesy. We declare healed right now. Your spirit of depression, we command you to leave right now. Every mental imbalance, every chemical imbalance, everything that's wrong, we curse it at its root and we declare that you're a child of God and healing is hitting your mind. Healing is hitting your soul right now. The joy of the Lord is yours. God, give him a vision for your ladder shall be greater than the glory of your former for where the spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty, there's liberty, there's liberty. And I want you to receive that today. There's an oil of joy. I think that's why I was laughing so much. This message wasn't funny, but God wants you to receive the joy of the Lord. Could you just lift a hand and say, I receive the joy of the Lord. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yes, as a Christian, we're going to suffer. Yes, as a Christian, there's going to be warfare, but go through with a smile on your face. It's harder to go through sad and depressed. Yeah, life is rough. It's in a fallen, broken world. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. We need joy again. We need laughter for it doeth good like medicine. Praise God. He gives us strength. Hallelujah. The Lord says there's someone who has neck pain. He wants to heal someone with neck pain. If that's you, could you just put your hand on your neck right now? In the name of Jesus, we call you healed. In the name of the Lord Jesus, pain go away, inflammation go away, vertebrae issues go away. Back pain, lower back pain, could you put your hand on your back? Begin to do something you couldn't do before. I pray that the Holy Spirit touch right now. In the name of Jesus, pain go away. Disc line up in the name of Jesus. The Lord showed me earlier someone with gum disease. You've been dealing with gum disease. Could you just put your hand on your mouth? We call you healed right now. We curse that sickness and we command it to leave you in the name of Jesus. Gums be healed right now in the name of Jesus. The Lord also showed me someone dealing with migraine headaches. I don't know if it's a problem with your right eye or behind your eye affecting your, your, your head, but just lay hands on yourself right now. And in the name of Jesus, we call you healed right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. The Lord showed me someone who has um, their strings attached to your past, and there are some things from your past that kind of want to bring you back in, and it's almost like a puppet. You know, puppets have strings, and you've kind of just been dancing for the world, and God wants to sever the strings today. The strings of your past, generational curses are being broken in this atmosphere. If that's you, could you just receive right now that old things are passed away? God is doing a new thing right here, right now. He's giving you a new boldness, a new perspective in the name of Jesus. For some of you all, it's going to be new relationships and new friendships is coming your way. New doors of opportunity in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How y'all feel? Y'all good? Okay, let's believe for revival. You ready? For revival comes on the heels of repentance. There are some things that God has assigned this church to do in Clearwater. They're not natural things, but they're kingdom things. And each one of you all have a specific part to play, like your gifting, your talent, and your anointing. 
is not just to build business. Building business and making money is a part of it. Do that to build the kingdom of God secondarily. But some of what God has gifted you and talented you with is to usher and steward the move of God here at Countryside Church. So it's time for us to get involved in ministry. And I don't care if it's sweeping floors or painting the, floor, or painting the wall, just say, I'm available. I want God to use me and watch what God does. But revival is not just for Asbury, it's not just for Azusa, it's not just for Toronto, it's not just for the upper room. Revival is for the people of God, for Jesus is the same yesterday, today. Can anybody believe that this morning? If you believe that this afternoon or whatever time it is, could you just lift up a hands to the Lord? Because I want to pray that revival wins, that it's just not me that carries revival. I prophesy that you are a carrier of the glory of God, for you are an ark of God, that you carry the glory of God. I pray that the Shekinah glory that was in the, uh, the, the most holy place in the tabernacle lives on the inside of you. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. And so we declare that every addiction be broken, pornography addiction be broken, worry be broken, unbelief be broken over you for where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty and as we lift up holy hands in this place we receive an anointing of revival that wherever we go we make dead things come to life and when we show up at work on tomorrow people gonna say oh there's something different about you yeah cause I've been in the presence of Elohim and in the name of Jesus I don't just come to revival we carry revival, you don't come to a meeting, you carry the glory of God in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, I receive it. Come on, somebody shout, I receive it. Come on, let's dance like we receive it. Come on, let's dance. What a day. Countryside, we will be a church that honors up, honors down, and honors all around. Woo! Let me tell you, two years ago I saw Pastor Ken on the stage in front of over a thousand pastors, and in my heart I thought, man, I gotta get a hold of that man. I wanna be friends with that dude. I want a beard like that. Well, in February, he was in a breakout session at the same conference, and we connected, and we call each other friends. Do you think he'd be a great person to have back, Countryside? Come on. Well, I want to honor him. As a man of God to come, he gave everything he had today. He laid it on the line. He was the same energy level first service as he was this service. He was called by God with a word for our church today. Do you receive it? Do you receive it? Well, I'm going to bless you in just a moment, but I want to say to you, church, I honor you. It, it's, such a, um, it's such a privilege to be your pastor. Elaine and I can't even believe it. We look in the mirror and we're like, how did this even happen? God. And I, I talk to other pastors and they're like, oh, the sheep bite. I'm so grateful that my sheep are kind, they're loving, 
They're supportive. They're with me. They're generous. They have a heart after God. So today, Countryside, I honor you because you are a special, special people. Amen. How many want more of Jesus in every area of your life? Father, right now in Jesus' name, I bless your people. I bless your church. I bless every marriage in this house today. Let it be a marriage that's healed and restored. I bless every child in this place. For those that have wayward children, I bless them right now in Jesus' name. And I pray, God, every direction they go, they're going to come in contact with someone that loves you. We call forth the prodigal sons and the prodigal daughters. I bless careers in Jesus' name. I bless our homes that we would raise up our children in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they will not part from it. I bless this congregation of men and women that make a stand that say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I bless each one as we go out these doors today into our mission field. I pray that each one would be a light in a dark world, that each one would be healing in a broken circumstance. Father, everywhere we go, let us represent you well in Jesus' name. I pray blessing. I pray honor. I thank you, Lord, that our future is bright because our future is in you. It's in you that we live and move and have our very being. And we pray all these things now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I know there's only a few books that are left, but I do encourage you, that book is amazing. Countryside, have a blessed day. I love each one of you so much.